Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Before the Town Beat, a musical podcast. We hope you've had your washroom break and are now ready to join me, your host, Mackenzie, the ginger, and Autumn Smith, the John Adams of Canadian theater, the Penelope Pennywise of Muskoka. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's me. That's me. Yes. Yes. Hello. 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 I feel like this was a kind of understated, underwhelming. (laughs) Well, we're going on with with the style of the musical that we're going to talk about today. It's another very understated, very surprisingly downtrodden musical. Tad depressing, but hilarious in its depressing. Yes. uh, uh, In its depression. Yes, yes. Once again, it, it hides, it manipulates the audience with, uh, uh, with its depression. If you don't realize just how depressed you'll actually leave the theater until you walk out and go, oh, Autumn, what are we doing today? We are going to run towards freedom and do urine town. Urine, urine town. That's right. We're doing the P musical, You're in Town. Yes, that is the title. Yeah. You're in yeah. Town, uh, as chosen by me. This was one that I was like, this is a smaller, more indie comedy show. And I was like, I I find it very funny. So I was like, I got to oh, get yeah. this on the docket. It's, it's interesting, this piece. I remember seeing it at the Tony Awards. Yeah. On, on my television, mm-hmm. the annual event that I always wait for in 2002. Yeah. And I was, I was uh, so in awe of Hunter Foster and mm-hmm. his running and singing <laughs> and then everyone running and singing. I was, I was floored by it. So yeah, I chose this show. Because first off, I just find the concept and title really funny to me. Like I can't help but chuckle every time I like, see it it's like oh you're in town <laughs> like funny funny e ha but it's you're in town like you but you can say like, uh, if you just said it people wouldn't know that it's about p because if you because you have to see the spelling to understand it but very funny tell very funny concept and the fact they sprinkle all these great p puns throughout the show is like just so good like the you're in good company like <laughs> I love it. Like you're in good company. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, the, everything is a play. I, I'm. This is going to sound really bad, but the level of satire. Oh, present it's, it's, it's Brexian almost. It's very, it's very European. It's not. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel American to me. No, no. Well, um, I, I, that's the other thing. It's all these fourth wall break 
commentaries yeah. about Broadway and politics. I was like, oh, this is like very kind of like it's very Joan Littlewood. Yes, is what it is. It's very yes, it Joan is. Littlewood Brecht, theater workshop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bertold Brecht, Kurt Vile. Yes, like I and I, I love that. I love, I love it, love it, love it. Oh, I love the fact that you got Officer Locke and Little Sally throughout the piece, like doing these great side commentary. Lockstock, Lockstock. Yeah, sorry, Officer Lockstock and Officer Barrel. Yeah, that's that in itself is brilliant. It is Lockstock and Barrel, and also this all ties back to a really great book that was done. It is a great book. It is. It's it's smart. Yes, satire. Another reason why I like this show is that it's so well balanced. It doesn't vilify one or the other. Like, yes, you have the yes. I guess you have the really bad capitalist. You're in good company. Company. But then you also have the dark side of the rebellion where like they're willing to kill someone just for the sake of revenge. Or then they march to another place and kill three other people because they were part of the system. Like both sides have blood on their hands, which is what I like. I I, 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 I like that no side is virtuous in this. No side is ever virtuous in this kind of a war. Right? Which is something we live through every day. Yep. And the what really is pointed out in mm-hmm. this musical is the divide mm-hmm. of the classes. Yep. And we are never going to get to a point of true inclusion, diversity, all of this. We are mm-hmm. never going to be a truly inclusive society until the financial playing field is leveled which denotes that we should be living in a state of true communism. However, true, this is my depressing rant today. Oh boy. True communism will never work because we are mammals Mm -hmm. and we need to have the survival of the fittest mandate. Mm -hmm. So we are never going to, people, I am the kindest, empathetic, most empathetic human being you will ever meet. Just true. But we will not get there because someone will always have to win. Yes. And I mean, this musical, I mean, we'll get into this, but this musical ends with even going, even when you have this kind of communist utopian bit of hope takes over for her dad, they open up the pee, uh, uh, porta potties, everybody's happy, but then it goes, well, she ignored the warning signs because she was happy with the hell everybody was loving her. So she caused another drought and, People killed her off anyway. So it's like. And everyone died. Yep. And we do not have a river in us. That is a blatant lie that plays against fact. Yes, it is. But it goes back to the working class masses not having access to education and information Mm -hmm. where they can make great, thoughtful, critically engaged decisions. Yep. No, instead they have to. It's part of the system. Yep. It's part of the Oh, I just got it. Instead, the poor relied on hope and she ultimately drowned and killed them anyway. So hope killed the people, the masses. It's a, it's, it's brilliant in its satire. Yeah. Because it's basically saying, well, the system screwed us over, but we need the system. I find it so incredibly brilliant, Mm -hmm. but I'm wondering how many people who went to see this musical actually got it. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how many people 
sit in the theater and listen acutely or just go to be entertained. Mm. Art is a vehicle of change. Mm -hmm. It is not about us as artists. It is about creating systemic societal change. And we owe it to our communities to produce work that way. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to say today, Mackenzie Horner. I knew you would go on one of your iconic autumn rants. Where is my champagne? Yes. And soapbox. And now I need to pee. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I like it is is a spherical, strong commentary this piece has. But I came to the, I don't have a long history with this show. So I came to it because the music studio I went to where I did all my singing and dance and acting lessons did this production with, 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 with like some of its older students. And, oh. and, and so they did it. And I remember hearing them rehearse. And I was like, what are they singing? Because you kept hearing the run, freedom, run. Like that's one of the songs they kept rehearsing. Run, freedom. Well, it's the big showstopper. It is. Too. It is. It is. So, so the fact I kept hearing, I was like, okay, all right. And so, and so I was like, oh you're in town haha <laughs> teenage boy potty humor funny 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 uh-huh. i didn't I, I didn't get all the deeper darker satirical commentary it was doing at the time because how can you you're a teenager you're still learning the world that is why it is not an appropriate choice for young people to be doing because if you're not using it as a lesson mm-hmm. satire is meant to be uh, exhumed. Yeah. It's I mean, meant to be exhumed and we need, but youth should not be doing this musical because you need, you need to have the critically engaged dialogue. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do it with youth, you do it. explain it to them. Need, and you need to do it with a social conscience. Yeah. But Passion this... Breath. This uh, this musical is very relevant. You can approach this so many different ways. I know. So we will get into that at the very end. But first, let me uh, give a brief plot description. Because, oh, yes. you know, people may not know this show. It, it, it oh. kind of came and went. It's at a, it's at a mar- it's at a small, but, you know, regional theater life. But yeah, let me give a breakdown here. So uh, You're in Town is a musical about a town that has been suffering a 20-year drought which has caused a terrible water shortage, which has made private toilets unthinkable. All restroom activities are done in public toilets controlled by the mega corporation called You're In Good Company, the UGC, run by Cladwell B. Caldwell. Great name. And to control the water consumption, people now have to pay to use these amenities. There are harsh laws ensuring there is no public urination, Basically, if you break the law, you get sent to the mythical urine town and never return. So dun, dun, dun. What is this place? Who knows? And so every day, these oppressed masses of of the lower class all huddle outside the public toilet, the poorest and filthiest public toilet, public amenity number nine, run by the harshly authoritarian uh, Penelope Pennywise and her assistant, dashing young everyman, Bobby Strong. Such a great everyman name. So basically, the story really does kick off when trouble ensues when Bobby's father, old man strong, can't afford his urinal admission for the day. And after pleading with Penelope to let him in, she won't let him in. So he urinates on the street and is arrested by Officer Lock, Stock, and Barrel. 
<laughs> and it's escorted off to urine tow. Uh, and this incident, uh, as well as the UGC announcing uh, rate hikes, pushes Bobby to realize that the laws are, are wrong and are not working for the people. So this causes him to start a rebellion, whereby he opens uh, the public restroom and begins a pee for free rebellion, which ultimately starts in a whole big class revolution. And it's during this revolution that Bobby realizes the girl he's fallen for Hope is actually the daughter of Cladwell. And so Bobby realizing that, oh, we're never going to get anywhere without like a little leverage, he decides to kidnap Hope and use her as a leverage tool against her father. And then they escape into the sewers where they're hiding out. Ultimately, uh, Pennywise finds them, not the clown, the lady who runs the public amenity. She finds them and says the dad, her dad, uh, or Cladwell, the dad wants to negotiate. So off Bobby goes to negotiate. Bobby's offered a large suitcase of, of cash. He ultimately refuses it saying, no, we want open free restrooms for everybody. And Cladwell is like, no, that ain't going to happen. And he has Bobby taken to the roof and thrown him from the roof, thus showing that you're in town means death. And Bobby is killed, which, once again, for satirical comedy musical, very dark. Dark. Very dark. So Bobby dies, and uh, little Sally, the street urchin, gets his last words, brings them back to the, to the gang. Hope then says she's going to step up and be the leader. They march toward the UGC building along the way. They kill Officer Barrel, uh, uh, Senator Phipp, and Ms. Millennium. Great names. And at the office, Hope reveals to her father, I'm still alive, even though you thought by killing Bobby, I would be killed. No, I'm alive. I'm leading these people. And they kill Cladwell instead by throwing him off the roof. Thus ending his reign of tyranny. But as he's about to die, he says, I did well. I kept the pee off the street and the water in the ground. Uh, and so he's thrown to his death. And the you're the the you're the you're in good company company is renamed the Bobby Strong Memorial Toilet Authority, and Hope has made its executor uh, along with the community, and henceforth they are everybody's allowed to pee whenever they like, as much as they like, and for as long as they like, and with whomever they like. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, and you think, oh great, this is the happy ending. No, then we get some exposition that. Because of Hope's mismanagement of the water supply, which her father had been successfully managing and um, rationing, she basically uses it all very quickly, which then causes everybody to die uh, of fever and of thirst. And so the community turns against Hope and kills her in a much more gruesome way, apparently, than her father died. And the townsfolk realize that they're living in the imaginary urine town that they have been threatened with for years. Right. And right. thus ends the play. I love it. Musical. I love it. So great show, uh, very balanced. And that's the plot summary. It's great. It's so funny. It's so and dark it, and so funny. It is a dark comedy. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Sweeney, too. Yes. No, it, Sweeney it's, there. it's unrelenting and it's yeah. depression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Autumn, we have a whole new creative team. All new. All so, new. Who is our brand new creative team there, Autumn? Well, we're going to go short and sweet. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go. So the composer is Mark Holman. 
mm-hmm. who won a Tony for this and an Obie. Mm-hmm. He is a former ensemble member of the Cardiff Giant Theater Company in Chicago. There you go. He played trombone, my instrument. I love the trombone. For the Chicago art rock band Maestro Subgum and The Hole. Can you believe that? What a great name. That is a great name. Maestro Subgum and The Hole. And also played piano for Second City. Um, He attended musical theater writing workshops. And he also went to the BMI Lehman Angle Musical Theater Workshop in New York. Who doesn't at this point? It seems like everybody we talk about it has someone ended up with BMI. Um, he did his musical theater writing workshop with Making Tuners at Chicago. And he began writing a show called The Girl, the Grouch, and the Goat with Jack Helbig. Mm. had its professional production in los angeles and chicago there you go um he currently lives in manhattan uh with his wife jillian and their sons oliver and tucker short and sweet that's all we need to know about mark coleman okay Um, their their resumes are very short which is surprising because they wrote a really good show you would think they would have done more we're like we're out great goddess who did the book studied poli sci at the university of chicago i know uh he dropped out when he took a course with the short uh on the short comic scene realizing that he wanted to be part of the theater industry why political science is theater anyway never mind who am i to judge probably informed his writing um he became a member of the cardiff giant theater company and the neo futurists He moved to New York in 1995 and started a branch of the neo-futurists with his wife, Anne Halliday. And while moonlighting in Fringe Theater, Greg Poitus worked as a location scout for the show Law and Order. Ah, there you go. Um, He, uh, then of course in 98, he wrote You're in Town with Holman. Mm-hmm. And after he did it, uh, after he wrote it, he said it, it would be his last work. Mm. He says, he, quote, I told myself I tried to find a life in the theater and we had some fun. It was time to move on. The theater life, particularly our theater life, wasn't making us any money. I would just stick to location scouting and apply myself to making money. With you in town, I thought. Let's just have one big laugh, big, last big laugh. He got the idea for You're in Town from an ill-budgeted visit to Paris, wrote it, won some awards, the end. He, he's, he worked on something else in 2006, but it was not um, noted like You're in Town was. <laughs> it was called Pig Farm, something to that effect. Anyway. Don't know, I know that show. Um, no, but basically he stuck to his word that you're in town was going to be his yeah. last big so, thing. Maybe he's still location scouting for law and order. Who knows? Who knows? SVU and, and, and organized crime are still running hot in New York. I mean, why not? Why not? If you can get what a is- better paying job and still do something in the arts, yeah. go for it. The last person I will mention in this foray is John Rando, the director. Mm-hmm. Prolific director. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Off-Broadway and Broadway and regional theater. Good for him. Uh, First off-Broadway play was Fortune's Fool at the Cherry Lane Theater. He also directed the musical Toxic Avenger, which opened off-Broadway in 2009. I remember that one. Uh, He's directed several plays by David Ives off-Broadway including a revival of ancient history in 1996 and mere mortals in 1997. And I don't know if I'm saying this right. Polish joke or Polish joke. I don't know. At the Manhattan theater club. I don't know. In February, 2013, he directed a revival of all in the time timing and received an Obie award uh, he also directed Ives play Lives of the Saints in a Philadelphia theater company production in 99. He's done a lot of David Ives work. It's a thing. Good for him. He is directing a new musical, The Honeymooners, based on the TV show. Ah. Uh, and it premiered at Paper Mill Playhouse and, yeah, and has Laura Bell Bundy in it. Rando directed several stage concerts and musicals for uh, New York City Center's Encores. Great. Strike the Band, Do Re Mi, Pajama Game, On the Town, Tam Yankees, Gentlemen Prefer Bob, Blondes, Little Me, and The New Yorkers. Love that encore. Turn. Your turn. Well, Autumn, I have three paragraphs, so we're going to be fast on this one. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, this musical was inspired, as Autumn said, when Codus, uh, Codus, uh, was traveling in Europe and he encountered a pay-per-use toilet. Uh, this immediately inspired him to do a show about this concept because he thought, well, how funny. And so him and Holman were quickly started working together on this piece. The writing process from everything I've read went very smoothly. They came up with the concept, they followed it through, uh, and they were able to write the show pretty quick. However, the problem was, was that no production company were interested in optioning the musical. Optioning meaning producing and programming it. Uh, but finally, the neo-futurists and experimental theater group from Chicago agreed to produce You're in Town for their 1999-2000 season. But those plans ultimately fell through. So John Clancy of the New York Fringe Festival accepted the show into, into, a, into the festival instead. Uh, during the show's run at the Fringe Festival, playwright David Auburn, best known for writing the play Proof, who is also a friend of Cottis and Holman, came to see the show and immediately called the production company, the ARCA Group, and said, we got to get this show uh, on, on a, a bigger home because this show is funny. It's got something to say. So the company optioned the musical and it opened off Broadway at the American Theater for Actors, it had a successful run there, and then it moved to Broadway. It was scheduled to open on Broadway in September 2001. And just like the producers, it fell uh, victim, or it, as most of Broadway did, it fell victim to the 9-11 attacks. And the opening night, which was scheduled for September 13th at the Henry Mill Theater, was pushed back. Instead, the show opened on September the 20th, and ultimately only one line had to be cut from the script as it was deemed offensive following the attacks. Nobody knows what that line was, but there was one line apparently that was given the axe. 
uh, there we go. The show's opening night cast included Hunter Foster as Bobby Strong, Jeff McCarthy as Officer Lockstock, Nancy Opal, lovely Nancy Opal, as, as, the, as Penelope Pennywise, John Callum as Caldwell B. Cladwell, Jennifer Laura Thompson as Hope uh, Cladwell, Spencer uh, Caden as Little Sally, and Ken Jennings, the original Tobias in the Broadway production of Sweeney Todd, as Old Man Strong in Hot Blade, Blades Henry. The show was very well received by the critics. It was nominated for 10 Tony Awards, only <laughs> winning three awards for Best Book, Best Score for uh, Cottis and Holman, and Best Direction of a Musical for John Rando. It lost Best Musical to Thoroughly Modern Millie, which I think is a mistake. Your intent should have won that year. Autumn is nodding in agreement. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sutton Foster. Mind you, if you look at that Tony Award year, all the awards are actually really well spread out. Like there was no, like Thoroughly Modern really didn't like run away with the awards. There were no, like uh, other things won as well throughout the night too, so. Very yeah. well spaced, which I appreciate. I do like it when when the awards are well spaced out between people and not just given to one <laughs> show because, oh, it's the hot new thing. So despite not winning the coveted top prize of Best Musical, the show continued to run, uh, like Run Freedom Run, and ran for a, a number of years. Yeah. And notable cast replacements include Paralee Carmelo and Victoria Clark as Penelope Pennywise and Charles Shaughnessy as Caldwell B. Cladwell. So even though Urinetown was selling well and had just re and had just recouped its initial $3.7 million investment, it was ultimately forced to close due to the producers being unable to find a new home for the show after they were notified that they need to vacate the Henry Mill Theater as, as it was being torn down to make room for a new skyscraper, the Bank of America Tower. They did rip out the interior. However, they did build a new theater in the basement and that's now become the Stephen Sondheim theater. So they didn't get rid of the theater entirely. They uh. just reused it and, 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 and used the facade. So they built the bank tower above and then the theaters down below. So there is a theater there. It's just, they had to get rid of urine down to do it. Uh, <laughs> and it has been noted that writers Holman and Cottis are reportedly developing a prequel and sequel to urine town but nothing has ever come of it. So who knows? Something may come of it, something may not come of it. We never know. A prequel I like, a sequel that wouldn't everyone be dead without water. True. Or it's just the last remaining people of urine town that try to survive. So it's like post-apocalyptic. Wow, that's depressing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Well, um, uh, so we never did say, how did you come to the show? Was I mean, the, was it just the Tony Awards? Just the Tonys. Just, just the, the Tonys. Just the Tonys. That's how I find a lot of things, the Tonys. It's true. The Tony uh, Awards give you a chance to see a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and up until now, I know nothing about this musical. Okay. All right. So Until I started doing my research. Yes. But I'm glad yeah. I know it now. Yes. Although, music, uh, anyway, we'll get into that. We will. Whatever. We will. Well, let's get into it, actually. So our top three Autumn, what is your number one song? Hey, here is a very weird thing about this musical. Mm -hmm. I don't have favorite songs and I don't have an anti-list. Okay. I I mean, I, I there are songs I would listen to, obviously, 
but I feel like the whole thing needs to go together to create, you know what I mean? Well, it's like Little Shop. It's a very succinct, yeah. well-written, sharp book, sharp show. Like, yes. it's, like, it's, like it's a very tight piece of work. My, this I do have two songs I, I, I often skip. Well, I like Run, Freedom, Run. Just for the obvious reasons. Yes. Yes. Uh, Because it's great. It's such a, it's such like a good, it's like a good Baptist clap your hands. Well, it's kind of like blow Gabriel blow. Come on, you scamps. Get up, you sinners. You're all too full of expensive dinners. Stand up on your lazy feet and blow and run freedom run yeah you could probably do a mashup of those two and be very good you know what it's even more like it's even more like sit down your rock on the boat but the passengers they knew right from wrong for the people all said sit down sit down you're rocking the boat people all said sit down sit down you're rocking the boat Devil will drag you under by the sharp lapel of your checkered coat. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. It's totally guys and dolls. Yeah. I was like, I'm trying to pin what musical this is like for me. And I'm like, is it Threepenny? Is it it's not Les Mis. To me, this is not Les Mis at all. Is it I don't know, 42nd Street. Like it has a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, guys and dolls. Because the timing of like the 30s. Yeah. It's an like the the aesthetic of this musical is very interesting. Yes. In terms of capitalist America, like yeah. the choice. So smart. Yeah. Have to say. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Run, Freedom, Run, just because it is the big show-stopping number. I usually avert those, avoid those, like the plague. But (laughs) this one, I love. Yes. It's the working class anthem. Let's go. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Well, it's Bobby's final message. Because after this song, he goes off to see... Uh, Cladwell and gets thrown off the roof. So this is kind of like his final big kudos to the to, the, to his revolution that he started, right? It's kind of it, it, this. This is kind of like his mani- manifesto of yeah. like this is what I want for everybody. Like run, freedom, run. Have like don't kill hope like you want to do. Revenge is not the answer. Like no. which is funny because they totally ignore that message from him. They just go. They just listen to the first part. Which is happens with a lot of manifestos. People take like one line from the manifesto they like and then discard the rest. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's what I like about this song is it's so uplifting. Then then you want you see what the gang becomes. It's like, oh wait, what? <laughs> well, and then you find out that he dies. Yeah. It's like, well, is that your freedom? Is yeah. like, oh, it's so depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so depressing. And now our protagonist dies. Well, I that's what that's what I like about this show is that yeah. it, it, it's that is that is that is that they lead into the trope of oh yes the, the 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 hero revolutionary inspires the people and we'll get to the end of the show with his girl no <laughs> which once again oh. is very lame is he like 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 Andras dies the big revolutionary character gets shot and falls off the barricade yeah but it's not about Andras it's about Marius I, so. I know he makes it through. But it's it's turning the musical, you know, it's turning our musical theater expectations mm-hmm. on their head mm-hmm. and subverting yes. uh, the known, right? It's, it's, yes. it's taking us and going, oh, this is going to have a happy ending. They're going to find a well of water. It's going to yeah. be great. So, <laughs> and they, they squash it like the little bug of hope yeah on his lap but the one thing that they don't kill is hope it's true she's able to she's able to convince them to let her lead them which once again it's that whole ill-gotten idea of the person who shouldn't be leading is leading (laughs) isn't that always the way it is because it's the easiest way as you say autumn of course it is the band-aid solution we are sheep yep we are they are sheep. We are. And so, but actually, so then my number one song is It's a Privilege to Pee. 20 years we've had the drought And our reservoirs have all dried up I take my baths now in a coffee cup I boil what's left of it for tea And it's a privilege to pee The politicians in their wisdom so I like that one too. I think that's great. I would say that's my number two. All right. It's your number two. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I like it because of how truthful it is. Like Pennywise's position may seem harsh, but nothing in life is free. I'm sorry. There is a system you got to pay to use the washroom. Sorry for your luck. Like my mother, I've told you about my mother's sign, right? In her office, the very infamous sign, which says there's no such thing as a free lunch. That's right. And I live by that mantra. Ain't nobody going to give you nothing for free. There is always an IOU coming. And if you don't see the IOU coming, you're a moron. <laughs> an idiot. Because there's always, you always have to pay the piper at some point or another. Like, even when you think, oh, it's okay. Like, I got away with it. No, no, no. The other shoe's always going to drop on you. And and, and Pennywise's whole thing is, is, like, if I let you in for free... Then I have to let you and you yep. and you in for well, that, free. Well, that's happens in that whole scene. The minute old man Strong says, well, let me in for free. And then everybody behind him is like, oh, let me in for free too. And she's like, no. A reason. Everyone has a reason for a free ride. Yeah, exactly. Which, once again, like, even though that may be harsh and, 
oh, that's bad. It's like, no, it's not. Because you know what? It's like rent. Everybody's got to do their work and pay their due. The system, though, if this is where it becomes complicated. And this is this whole song. Because there are people, yeah. there are people who are in need. Yeah. And there are people who pry on systems. Mm-hmm. But the system also allows them to pry on them. Yep. So, like, look at. So mm-hmm. this is where the system becomes very complicated. Yep. Because there are people who do work really hard. Like charity is is we should be charitable to people who mm-hmm. are in need. Yeah. But some and there are always people that that prey on the system. There yeah. are rich people that prey on the system too. There are. Well, once again, like that's what I like about the song is it brings up this argument of Pennywise isn't wrong in her in her stance to not let somebody in for free. No. But also it's like, but couldn't you let old man strong get in? No, because it is her job mm-hmm. to make sure that it's being run effectively. And what happens if she goes against rules to her life? What is the trickle effect for her? She gets she'll pushed get off the curb. Yeah. yeah, she'll get sent That's what, why is that fair? Mm-hmm. When she is a hardworking woman who shows up, who's doing her job, Yep. She is runs a business. We yeah. feel sorry for her in this musical. Yeah. And lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. Because they can't get ahead. No. And they're part of the system. We're all part of systems, people. Yeah. So there. Go have an existential crisis like I'm going to after recording this. Yes. Yes. And I will say, another thing I like is musically, <laughs> I like how rhythmic this song is. Yeah. It's it's choppy. It's showing the rigidity of Pennywise, where she is in lockstep with what the government set up. Like she is, she is keeping in time with the system. Yes. She is doing her job. She is punching her card and doing her job. She yeah. is part of the machine. She is. She the is. Other musical that this reminds me a lot of is Metropolis. Metropolis is a musical based on the film about the robots in Metropolis and the underworld. Okay. One of the inspirations for Oh, What a Lovely War. And it also reminds me of Oh, What a Lovely War. The satirical nature Mm. of the work itself is Mm -hmm. so smart. Mm -hmm. It's so well penned. Yeah. 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 And I will say the other big thing I liked about the song was so because they got Nancy Opal to play Pennywise, they could do some really cool stuff with her vocally because... I don't know if you know this, but she was the original understudy for Patti Lapone as Evita. And she ultimately became, at the age of 22, the first matinee Evita. Oh. So. Well, she can sing, man. I was like. She, well, she can sing. And so her whole thing with Pennywise is she's doing these crazy Ava riffs all through the song. And once again, it's show it's, it's, it's setting, it's a little bit of a satirical homage to Evita. Because just like Evita, Pennywise it was able to work her way up the system uh-huh. to ultimately have an affair with Cl- uh, with Cladwell and get her little foothold and monopoly in this one little public washroom. Like, it's I'm so, telling you. Like, it's just layers upon layers. I'll, uh, it, it's interesting as you're talking about that and she feels guilty at the end. You cannot have emotions in a system. No. Because, well, because their emotions get the best of her. And she work against the system. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the system will screw you. Mm-hmm. It is in 
inevitable. And I hate to be the naysayer. I want to believe in the goodness of people and the kindness and the community. Mm-hmm. Autumn is having this is having this mental breakdown. I am. I'm Horrible. having an existential crisis. Because you think about it and people, why do people give? They give so they can write it off as a tax break. Mm-hmm. They give so they can feel good about themselves. It's not ever about other people. Mm-hmm. We don't go to the theater to learn how to be better in the world. We go to the theater so someone will entertain us. Well, it's escape from it's the world. Us. It's about us. We are survival of the fittest. We're Darwinism at its finest. Mm-hmm. We sure are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bugger. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I got to say about that, Mackenzie. Well, I will tell you what my number two song is. Yes, please do. It is the cop song. Well, it's a hard, cold tumble of a journey worthy of a gurney, a bumble down, a slapped face, smacked with a mace, certain to debase as I stumble down. It's a path that I'll lead you only one place, a rubble to retrace, a crumble down, a hard, cold tumble of a journey, jumble of a journey to urine town. Cassidy went to a field behind a tree, saw there was no one who could see her pee but me. And Jacob Rosenblum thought he was safe up in his room, didn't know the jars he kept up there would obligate a trip to a urine tomb. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's every, every song in this is great. Yeah. Because it's, it's pointed. There's, mm-hmm point to it well this song is scary especially now especially because we decided we are fronting the police brutality in our systems we have a whole song about police brutality that these that that, that's what these men are doing they are like it but it's done in this very catchy hummable way like this is on my lawn cutting list once i heard it i was like yeah i can get this song on my list yeah it's it's a good one and it's and it's great. It's a great antagonistic song because it shows the deep seated corruption that ruins systems. Because once again, there's the whole argument of not every police officer is a bad police officer. There are a number of good and decent police officers, but then you have people like Officer Lock, Stock, and Barrel, who are the bad apples who are spreading this corruption through this entire police department that we see that they're all following the system and mandate to get these people who are publicly urinating. But they're great characters. They are such great characters. And I mean, I mean, I I love them. I think they're they're so funny. And you know what? I think they get it. They do. They get it. And they know how to play this system. Well, of course, that's why Officer Lockstock is is the narrator of the piece. I know. It's great. Well, little Sally. (laughs) She's so genius. Well, it's Um, like a weird... it's like it's like a comic version of Javert in a way, Officer Lockstock, who shows yeah. up with his trudgeon all the time, beats some people up, is hard on the law, but then off to the side he's like, you know, hey. But you also kind of go, well, is it him or is it the system that needs to be reexamined? I would venture to say the system made him. Oh, absolutely, it did. Well, it's kind of so- like um, what's that movie? Uh, Shawshank. There's like there, 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 there's the evil prison guard in Shawshank, played by Clancy Brown, the great Clancy Brown. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, was he always evil, or was it just Warden Norton, played by the actual original uh, Don Perron on Broadway, Bob Gunton, 
was he the one that ultimately corrupted Cl- uh, Clancy Brown's hair? People, people choose paths. Mm-hmm. And I, I go back to this thing where I don't believe we are born inherently evil or good. Mm-hmm. There is, we're born a blank slate. Yeah. Of a genetic gene pool mm-hmm. for our science friends. Yeah. But, um, and some of that comes into effect, but ultimately we are the systems make us. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing I like about this song is, so there's two sides to it, right? So there's the nursery rhyme kind of side, which is great because that kind of sets up that this, these stories that the police are telling are almost like community folklore meant to keep the people in line where it's like, well, don't be like Bobby who was peeing in jars because ultimately he got yeah. caught, right? Or like, or, like, or like, don't be Joanne who like went and peed behind a tree and thought nobody was watching. Somebody got her. Someone's always watching. Right? But that's the whole thing about these nursery rhymes is that they're nefarious and they're petulant. And it's, this is how we keep people in line as we tell them these little ghost stories of the time I caught Bobby in his room peeing in a jar and he went off to urine town. But then you got this rap side to it, this really rhythmic rap sections. Mm -hmm. That is like Harold Hill's You Got Trouble, which once again is them whipping people up into... Into, I can do a frenzy and going, don't do it, don't do it because you know, trouble, 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 trouble. It's like, sales job. It's totally is. And the police are there enforcing this system through scare tactics, different types of scare tactics, just like real systems use. So, Adam, what is your third choice? It's a toss up. I'm going to go with the act one finale. Okay. Because it's big, it's epic. There's some beautiful music in it. There is. It's just, it's complex. It reminds me of One Day More a little bit. It is, it is very One Day More. Well, it's uh-huh. the revolution, right? It's everybody marching. Yeah. And if you look at the production photos and video, they yeah. have the flag waving and they got Bobby's picture looking like Lennon on a big red frame. It's great. Yeah, it's it's great. And I, I'm a sucker for a big act one ending. It's a great way to end act on the fact that yeah. uh, Officer Lockstock is doing the, well, since we're all running slowly right now, there's a great state of confusion. So let's see where we're going to leave act one. We'll see you after intermission. Like, it's great. And it, and it builds, it sets everything up for the fallen act, act two, right? Yep. Because you got Hope being kidnapped. You got the people turning <laughs> violent, basically, through the kidnapping. Like, But the best thing is, is that when Bobby says, oh, we're like, we're willing to take the punishment. All the entire mob does the, wait a minute, hold on. I never signed off for punishment. Like, I'm all for revolution, but when it actually is going to hurt me and affect me, I don't I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. 
Oh, right. But that's I. I might be charged. I might go to urine town. I better not. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole power that Cladwell points out is basically like if I even threaten people with violence, you'll like your ranks will break. But then they don't. Bobby is able to keep them going. Yeah. Which is a great kind of false hope once again. Autumn, this is your perfect example of end of act one is the purveyor of false hope. We will rise and seize the day. Yeah. We will win. We did win. But winning sucked. Villa pipi. It's such a <laughs> shitty ending to a musical. And yet it's great. It is. You're like, oh, yeah. does anyone get this musical? It's brilliant. Yes. Hail Mathis. Yes. Indeed. Well, speaking of the ending, that is my number three song, which is mm. I See a River. a river the big fallacy i see a river it's great oh so great and they're pushing hope on the staircase and she's like leaving almost like washing them across the potomac so good but yeah. i like this song because it starts out so optimistic and nationalistic right oh, it's, yeah. it's like the end of les miserables with the with oh, yeah. the with the uh with, with the big finale of 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 the junior people sing lost in the valley of the night is it is the music of the people who are striving to the light Yep, all directions of the earth. Like, there's a flame that never dies. It's also like, uh, tomorrow belongs to me. There's mm -hmm. a dark cabaret element in there. Mm -hmm. 
it actually has a little bit of, you know, the MC in Cabaret. Yes. yes. You know, it's it's very Germanic. Yes. Like it's it's got it really does. It's very Brechtian. Mm-hmm. It's very um, leaning towards absurd. Absurd. Well, right. It is. It is because yeah. the song is going. It's all anthematic. And then Officer Locke starts going. So this is actually what really happened. Like we had a short bit of happiness and bliss. Then the then the water got silty. Then it got muddy. Then it dried up. Turns out Cladwell's system, while horrible, actually did help ration the water. Hope ignored the warning signs. Everybody died. People turned yeah, against Killed her. us all. Yeah, killed us all. Right. And that's yep. the, and that's the whole thing that it's kind of like into the woods. We're into the woods has act two, which is the what happens after happily ever after? What are the repercussions? And in revolutionary musicals and in revolutionary causes, we very rarely ever see the after effect of the revolution because we because we move on to the next news story, right? I mean, how many times do we see a revolution happen in some country? They topple the government, but then something new, bigger, and badder comes in to fill in the vacuum because the Darwinism is always somebody's going to go get the cashier guns. That, that have been hauled up and now they all of a sudden take over the region. Well, I mean, that's what I like about the song is that it's patriotic, but it also has a darker ending of, and we all died and the pro and like no system worked. The communist, everybody gets to peace system doesn't work because there was no regulations and everybody piddled away the water, the very limited resource. Mm. And oh, look, the capitalist system didn't work because it was corrupt by Cladwell at the top uh but it was better it was better people actually had water because there was control mm-hmm. we need ugh, as much as i hate to say this i cannot believe i'm saying this on the podcast we need we are entities mm-hmm. for the most part mm-hmm. who have been systemized who now work in systemic mode modality mm-hmm. nine to five go to um, work come home mow the lawn on saturday yeah there's yeah. not there's very few of us who would want to challenge that many of us are again the sheep mm-hmm. not the wool yeah all right autumn let's get through this last bit here because i know you gotta mosey along great so i do have two songs that made my cut or skip list okay so first one is don't be the bunny a little bunny in the meadow is nibbling grass without a care. He's so delightful as he hops for you. You say hi, bunny, and he stops for you. You pull your trigger and he drops for you. Goodbye, bunny boo. Hello, rabbit stew. Get me, boys. You tell him, boss. Don't be the bunny. Don't be the stew. Don't be the dinner, you have better things to do. It ain't no joke, <laughs> that's why it's funny. <laughs> so take your cue, don't be the bunny. The- it's great, such a good analogy. It is, but it it's so blatant that, ooh, capitalism is bad, this power structure system is bad. Everything else is very subtle and a little bit more, yeah. it's mustache twirly, right? It's it loses its subtlety. And that's what I like about this musical is this musical is continually subtly sticking the knife between the ribs at you. 
This yeah. one is like, let me take an axe and just chop your head off and slit you with a sledgehammer. With like, get it? Like Cladwell's a bad guy, and what's and what does is it undermines the ruthlessness of Cladwell in Act Two when he's willing to kill off his daughter for the sake of holding on to his power. Because you've already revealed, oh, he's uh, he's already had a big villain song about don't be the bunny. So we know he's going to be an evil guy through and through. He's never going to be a gen a genuine or 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 a or someone who's willing to negotiate. You know, going in that he's a bad guy, and oh, he's probably going to let his daughter die anyway. So th- that's the song undercuts some of the great stuff yeah. the show has going for. Well, it doesn't allow him much of an arc. No, and that and yeah, and that's the problem. Is that is, is it cuts his arc short? He is very two dimensional. He is two dimensional. A world it, where it's not two dimensional, but it is kind of two dimensional. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a graphic novel come to life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's something, there's something very almost silent film about this. Oh, it's totally. It's, I mean, if you look at the you design know? of that, it was it, the design of the show is very silent filmy. Very yeah. makeup and eyes. The 1950s huh. kind of look that. But there's there's something very 30s about it, mm-hmm. right? Where it's it's kind of that era of everything was a little obvious. So yeah. I, I think maybe that was an aesthetic choice and a. A character, a, a a character writing choice, but no, you're right. I think I think it could be. I think it could be more subtle. It could be, but I like the analogy. It's kind of like I, I do like the analogy. Like I I I think I think it could just be maybe the way it's performed, or or maybe they just went too far into the song. Like like I, I, that's the whole thing about yeah. capitalism. Capitalism in itself is deceptive. Oh, it's sneaky, and that's Cladwell. The whole point of capitalism is everybody believes I can get up in class. I can become a Cladwell myself through capitalistic measures. But really, who gets up to the top, right? And that's the deceptiveness. But everybody believes in this. We're all going to get to the top together. And that's hope, which is a fallacy. Right? And that's what Cladwell should be. Fallacy. Deceptive as possible. And the fact they got John Callum, who we all, Autumn, mean, you and I both know for him playing um, uh, Edward Rutledge in 1776, the guy who sings molasses to rum. Molasses to rum to slaves who sail the ships back to Boston laden with gold, see it gleam. Fortunes are made in the triangle trade. Hail slavery, the New England dream. Mr. Adams, I give you a toast. Hail Boston. Hail Charleston. Who stinker? The most. He's a great char- guy to have play that character of mm. the deceptive yet right mm-hmm. character. But then they gave him this really blatant sledgehammery song. Okay. Like, oh, no. Got my I'll, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. All right. My Here's other second one. Uh, Follow Your Heart, the generic romance song. We all want a world filled with peace and with joy, with plenty of justice for each girl and boy. Shining world is just waiting to start. No anger or madness. 
get it. It's supposed to be like a heart full of love, like very Very grandiose Shakespearean romanticness. But I'm like, it's so boring. I, you know me, Autumn. I'm not a big romance duet guy. Maybe it's because I haven't found love yet. I don't know. Maybe one day when I do find love, Autumn, my entire perspective will shift on love duets. But this is like, I, I, get I hope not. I, I, I love your cynicism. I know, I know. I mean, I get the song's supposed to be a satirical look at the Broadway love duet with the listen to your yeah. heart, like Snow Whitey type sounds to it. It's very Snow Whitey. She's right? very Hope Harcourt. Yes. Very anything goes Hope Harcourt. Yes. And so for me, I just go skip. Yeah. Next. Uh, I mean, I, I, do too. I mean, I get it for plot relevance. Where it's like you need this song to get the two of them together and inspire the actions towards the end of the play, but it's like okay, it'd be better if it was. It'd be better if they had this song, but then had little asides about their own journeys. Yes, like do you know what I mean? So it complicates it. Like Hope is like, oh, should I tell him who I am? Like yeah. that kind of. What if he finds out that I am Cladwell's daughter? <laughs> like, yes, I think you know there, there's, there's possibility of satire here. It was like something like, oh, I've always wanted to do an act of charity, and 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 mm-hmm. this is this is my cause. Yes, like this is my this is my privileged white girl moment. Yes, do you know what I mean? That's exactly what it should be. But but vapid enough that we buy that journey and her earnestness. Yes. Well, and once again, she does become a leader and she does it for the right reasons where she wants everybody to be happy and be able to pee. Like she does have that good heart in her. She's just a horrible, misinformed leader who doesn't follow the warning signs when the water starts running out again. But hope is hope is a fallacy. Mm-hmm. What is hope? That sounds terrible. We could get into the yeah, what is, yeah. I mean, we it all is the, follow yeah. blindly this mm-hmm. idea that something exists beyond this life. Yes. We have that hope. Mm-hmm. That is the base point for all our other hope. Oh, well, it's like the hope of coming to America. And we're going to talk about this on Friday. We are. The idea of hope and the new land and, oh, it will be so much better. But we can't be who we are. We can't be our tradition. We can't. We have to hide our language. We have to hide our the color of our skin. We have to hide our traditions. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but it's great hope. It's great hope. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Hard work exists. Mm-hmm. Love exists. Love Mm-hmm. But hope is hope is so generic. Yes, it's this is this is me being very very absurd and existentialist. But it does not exist. Mm-hmm. Like anger as an emotion does not exist. It is a reaction. It is not an emotion. Mm-hmm. It does not exist. Hope yep. is something perceived, not factual. There you go. Well said. Well Thank said. you. Autumn, do you have any songs that will make your What is the point? Scared? What is the point of life? What is it, Mackenzie Horner? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Autumn is spiraling right now. Ah. 
No, I, I, I would agree with you on the, the love song. I'm kind of like, this is kind of lame. Yeah. It doesn't fit. doesn't fit the rest of the show. It doesn't sound like the rest of the show. I don't need it. Yeah. I don't need the love story. Yeah. And he's an odd looking duck. Well, he's the everyman, right? He's not the stereotypical heroic muscle man. He is well, the dirty everyman. And that's why well, people follow him because he is from the people. Yeah. So she's falling for his Heart. his extraordinary to her ordinary. Yes. Well, he's, once again, he has the passion and the drive to make a change. And that's always very alluring and charismatic about these types of leaders. Autumn, let's answer the big question, though. Does this musical still have a place today? Should it be revived? Uh, yes, 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 yes. And everyone should get it. And before they go, they should listen to our tirades on this uh, musical. True. So they can also get it and not just be entertained. Exactly. I agree. We should revive this because it's still so resonant right now, whether that's uh, with its commentary about uh, politics, capitalism, communism, the whole fallacy of hope and the way it leads people down the wrong roads, class systems, or just, you know, just systems in general. This still has so much to say and commentary to give about the way we as human beings need and require systems to survive. Uh, we want the system. We want hope. We want, we want labels and definitions and cubicles and solid knowledge because we want, we want to be, we want to know, we want to, we have a lot, we lose our curiosity. That's what makes children so remarkable. Is we are like, no, I need to label this in this. I need to compartmentalize this mm -hmm. over here. Mm -hmm. Everything needs to be in my ordered version of the world. Yep, exactly. We want a system that we all can survive and prosper in, but that never existed. That, that was the fallacy that this all started on was everybody can work and survive in the system. But you know what? Systems and work that way. Systems we are all going to die. If life is a system, we are all going to die. We are. Plain that and is a fact. <laughs> and on that beautiful note, Autumn, let's leave it there because we can continue on this existential crisis. Um, but there we go, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this very heavy political episode. <laughs> Uh, but before we go, we want to thank Mr. Brody Weld for our, for his fantastic theme music. Listen to all his music that's out there on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Father Flozis. Listen to it. It's great. Awesome. Yeah. Where can people find and follow you? They can follow me all the places. Autumn DM Smith. Facebook, Instagram. The Littlewood Smith. Uh, com and Timber Beast Productions and Mackenzie Horner. I have some exciting news. What's your exciting news? Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. This is my bit of hope. Okay. Are you ready? I'm Are ready. you ready? I'm ready. My wonderful partner, Sarah and I are starting a radio show called Lesbianist. Oh, Autumn, I'm tuning in for this. Is, is this on like a local Muskoka radio station? All right. Good on you. Ah. 
Well do- done. We're doing it. I can't get as political as I am on my podcast. <laughs> no. Well, you can direct people to your pot to our podcast. I mean, if you ever need a guest for that show. Oh, you're on it. Oh, you're going to be on it. We're going to talk about musicals. Done. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Tune in, everybody. When is that premiering, Autumn? I don't know yet. All right. We've just been welcomed to the radio station. So, hey. Love it. Love it. Look (laughs) at you crafting out your own little foothold in the world up in Muskoka, just like Penelope Pennywise. It pays so well. I know. I'm going to not be able to pay to pee. Yep. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. We we survived. We survived. We survived. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can find and follow me at Mackenzie Horner on all social media platforms. You can follow my antics with Cup of Hemlock Theater at Cup of Hemlock Theater on YouTube. We have all types of great stuff. In fact, you can listen to my wonderful two-part interview I did with the incredible composer, sound designer, musician, Mr. Michael Roth, who on top of doing compositions for the Brian Dennehy production of Twelfth Night and the Christopher Plummer production of The Tempest with Stratford. He has worked with people like Randy Newman on such films as The Princess and the Frog. He Ooh. worked with Tom Hanks in, in that wonderful Henry IV production that he did out in LA. He has worked with Alicia Keys, a whole bunch of peoples. He is a really cool guy. And we talk all about his work and his music. He is a cool guy. Who knows? He has said he'd be willing to come on our little podcast to talk about a musical. So stay tuned for that. I don't know if he's ready for us. Oh, he's <laughs> ready. He's ready. Michael's <laughs> ready. He He's a very groovy, cool guy. I love it. I so love it. there we go. I will also remind everybody, we do have a Patreon before the downbeat where Autumn and I do fun things like movie musical commentaries, theater yeah. news reviews. Other types of fun stuff, like top 10 lists. Maybe we'll do a top 10 political musical list. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, we will do all that type of good yeah. stuff. So, so donate a little bit there and you can get some goodies. You, probably, you can get some of the deleted scenes that didn't make it into this episode. So you can tune in to that. But for now, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we are in the back half of season three. There are only two episodes left. Tune in next week or tune in for our, our penultimate episode about all I will say is the one of the shortest run musicals in Broadway history. But it isn't true. Yes, there's your hint, everybody. We will see you then. But until then, everybody, count your pennies and remember to not go to your in town. All right, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hail Mathis. Hail Mathis. Hail Mathis.